Welcome to Mormons on Mushrooms. In this podcast, we discuss alternative methods for healing from trauma and seeking a fulfilling life. We often discuss triggering topics and ask that you make your personal mental health top priority. Additionally, the opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions held by the hosts. If you would like to support the podcast, please visit www.patreon.com slash Mormons on Mushrooms. If you enjoy the podcast, we would love for you to leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you and enjoy. place it's amazing coming to you from my office desk yeah no longer sitting on my bed it is glorious and it's bright and like i'll show you it's not real uh greenery on the wall but i created like this plant wall Ooh, oh yeah. nice yeah trellis thing you got plenty of dream catchers too yeah i got my mom's one there and i have another one in my room but yeah i love it it's looking great Thanks. Did you have a good decorating uh, eye too? It looks good in there. Thanks. I love decorating. It's probably one of my favorite things in the world next to shopping. So, hey, before I know we're recording right now, but before we even start, like, can we just talk about how adorable those little cartoon mushrooms of us are? Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was just loving them so much. Same. Um, Looking at them again today because I just looking at our Instagram, kind of the mood of our Instagram board. <laughs> See, you already mood board. Perfect. That's yeah. it. Mood you board, already got yeah. it down. And they're adorable. <laughs> they really are. I love them. I just want to like boop them. Like boop. Same. <laughs> like I, I want to be what my little cartoon mushroom man thinks I am. <laughs> yeah. I think you already are. Oh, I want to hey, always live life through those doughy eyes. Always. I, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sound so wise, I, today's podcast, today's episode that was released, I feel like there's like a little bit too much gain on my mic. Is it sound okay to, to the two of you? Yeah, it sounds good. Sounds okay right now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think you're good. I mean, we learned what a gain was a few weeks ago, I think. I yeah. Mean, thank you, Glenn. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what I text you. I'm like, it sounds like you're too cool. I didn't know what it was called. I'm like, it just sounds. <laughs> it sounded like I had the microphone in my mouth and I was like yeah. doing like voices. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I'm glad we're all here, guys. This is so great. And this Me is, too. I'm glad it was, you know, kind of spur of the moment. So I guess I can kind of cue us up here on what I'm kind of thinking. Cause please. So we had a, a guest had to reschedule um, kind of last minute. And we have a couple episodes in the hopper. So I was kind of like, you know what? I'm not going to do, let's just take the week off. Maybe, you know, take a little break. And then yesterday I did Rape for, it's not really the first time it was because I've done it during ayahuasca, but it's the first time I've ever done it alone. I mean, without, without any, anything else. Yeah. It was intense. Maybe I did too much. I don't know. So like, did it in my left nostril first and immediately like, did you just get like, like my nose is like going crazy and mucus is coming out. And, uh, my mate warned me in advance to grab some tissues and I did not grab enough tissues. So I'm like spitting and doing, you know, just letting it drip into the tissue. 
And then uh, I'm like, I have to go get more. So I walk into the bathroom to get the tissues and I'm lightheaded, almost like dizzy. Um, but I still did it in the right nost- nostril. <laughs> so it was intense, but then it was really profound. And I had like this clarity that snapped into place with this dream I'd had the night before kind of leading up to a lot of things I've been working through in therapy lately. And so right after that session, I immediately texted Doug and I'm like, Doug, let's record this week. And he's like, let's do it tomorrow. I'm like, okay. And then we asked you. Um, And then of course, after I did it, then the self doubt comes in and it's like, okay, there's a lot of mic therapy. Like no one's going to give a shit. Dude, (laughs) dude, are you kidding me? Everyone. I feel like, most of this podcast is therapy. And so if we're doing it, if we're doing mic therapy, I'm in hundred percent. Hopefully you guys chime in with your own kind of bits too, but that's kind of what cued it up. So let me just, I guess, talk to you about what's come up for me lately. Well, hold on, Mike. It might be cool to like, it might be cool to like give a little bit of a what is it, Rape or Hoppe? Exactly I, what I was gonna say, oh, Doug. No, girl, hey, you know what I'm loving, Shalice, is that for the first time in a while, you t- you and I are on the top row, and Mike oh, yeah. is in the like bottom row guest <laughs> position. So why don't we treat Mike like a guest here a little bit and say, <laughs> Mike, I love it. Why don't you give us a little bit of background on what is Rape or Hoppe? Yes. Can we say Hoppe? I don't like saying Rape because it, it it just it falls into my sort of like yeah, uncomfortable zone of it sounds a little bit too much like it's spelled like rape. Well, it is spelled like rape with an accent. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then hape is also the Portuguese version of, you know, hape within the R is silent in Portuguese. So you say mm-hmm. hape. So Brazil, let's call it hape. Um, I think I'm going to defer to Shalice on this one. What is hape? <laughs> <laughs> well, just whatever. Let's see. What I learned in Peru was that it's a mix and it depends on, of course, who makes it. But the one that I took was about 12 different varieties of plants that were burned. And then uh, rape is the actual ashes of the plants versus nunu, which is the plant before it is burned. So that's like a little bit of a difference. Um, And they both have different kind of feels to all of them. But usually... In uh, rape, there's always at least tobacco in it. So it's like the ashes of the tobacco plant, which is why it's like black. And then you're blowing your nose and it's all black and gross and it kind of burns a little bit. Yeah. So I bought a little applicator and maybe I can kind of grab it to show you, Doug, if you want to see it. But it's like this. uh, Let me just go grab it real quick. Yeah. Because while we're waiting, Shalise, on our very first episode, you talked to like when you went down, that was the first thing you did, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Well, I did Nunu first. Oh, okay. So okay. same type of thing that you still get it blown up your nose, but um, it's, it was just the live plant versus okay. the ashes of the plant. Okay. So there's a couple different versions of these. There's one that uh, Tom was doing to us when we were doing ayahuasca. Remember uh, Doug, where it's someone else is administering it to you. So yep. it's like long and they put it in your nostril and blow. So it's blown up your nostril. So this is, this one's a self one. So you just put one in your nose and one here. And this is going to be a very interesting episode. So for people who can't see it, it looks like an L. So one end goes in your mouth and one end goes in your nose. And when you blow, then it shoots it up into your nose. 
Yeah, there's some going up my nose. <laughs> um, I might have to blow it later, but. <laughs> and so I guess the sensation I got, it's just mental clarity. It's like it kind of intense focus. So great for meditation because you're like, I could focus so well on a single thought and my mind wasn't going a hundred different places. It's not like psychoactive, but just mental clarity um, is how I would describe it. Um, did you have a different experience, Shalise, with it? Besides feeling like I was drunk. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that is where that quote came from, guys. Um, yeah. <laughs> I guess, yeah, for me, it was just kind of a little bit lightheaded and it felt a little bit like things were spinning. Um, not a whole lot. It, it wound down within like 10 minutes. But the reason that they recommend to do it before ayahuasca is because tobacco is a really good combination with ayahuasca. It kind of opens everything up for you to receive the medicine better. And so that's why initially I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. They, they told me it's completely optional, but it may help the ayahuasca go into your system where I was like, Oh, I have to do it because I want the full experience. So that's why you often see them coupled together because, and that's why you often see the, the shamans doing the um, like actual, just tobacco rolled and smoking it just pure tobacco because it's a really good um, facilitator. I guess you could call it with ayahuasca. Did they give it to you during your ceremony as well? Or just at the beginning? Um the tobacco or just the, the rape? The rape, yeah. Um, no, it was just at the beginning. Okay. Yeah, yeah, ours, we didn't do it at the beginning, but uh, the shaman guy came around several times during it. And so I think I did it two or three times during the ceremony. And during the ceremony, I mean, I was so in it. I didn't, I don't know what I felt or not. And I don't remember, <laughs> my nose was already just like going all crazy. My face was already covered in mucus. So. <laughs> That's, well, I was going to say, like, if someone came and offered me that during the ceremony, I would have been like, who are you? Like, what are you doing in my space? <laughs> well, I guess, was... Doug, didn't you do that, Doug? Or do you? <laughs> that's, that's what I did when, really? when Tom, when Tom came around and I was mid ayahuasca, he was like, do you want me to blow this up your nose? It's good for, uh, and then I don't know what he said after that. Cause I just was like, I, I don't, I can't even understand the English words coming out of your mouth. And I definitely don't want anything blown up my nose right now. So move along, Tom. Yeah. It'd be a little much during ceremony for me. That's when I, and we already talked about this, but that's when I fell in love with Tom. Cause that's when I was like gazing into his eyes. He's like looking in my eyes and he puts it up my nose and blows. Oh my gosh, and, yeah. and I'm moment. just like staring. He's like, hold. And I just had to like hold, stare like deeply into his soul as he's giving it to me. And he has a beautiful soul. He does I will say the connection between people during ceremony, especially ayahuasca, is so deepening. Like when you yeah. really look, you feel like you see their soul instead of just their face. You're like, oh, yeah. I love you. You can yeah. so true. see who they are as a person. And it doesn't matter if they're in a masculine body, feminine body, you're seeing their soul, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. So back to you. Yeah. So that's what, so more about me here. Um, so a few things that have been coming up for me lately and one, I guess it ties into, so I was doing yoga a few days ago and I've talked about my tight hips several times on the podcast and I was doing this hip stretching exercise, hip opening. And, you know, I've talked about before too, how this is where I carry a lot of shame, but conversely, it's also where I've, I think I've stored a lot of like 
pleasure and passion that I restricted in myself. Ooh. You know, think of all the times like a Mormon teenager, it's like, or even just how many times we withhold pleasure. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about before that sometimes pleasure can just be for pleasure's sake and how sometimes it's so hard for us Mormons to actually receive pleasure. And so I was feeling that. And then, you know, I've had some dreams lately. So Doug, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to talk about uh, his dark materials. <laughs> I, hey, I'm, I am in. I'm so, in. Have you been on before when we talked about this, Shalise? No. Have you heard of his dark materials? I've seen, isn't it a show? Like yeah, so it's, a, it's first a book series, um, and now it's a, sh- a series on uh, HBO. They've, like, they've done two seasons. I think I've known people who've worked on it production-wise, but I've never actually seen it. Oh, cool. So it's a good show. Now, the, the amount we talk about it, it's not like Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad, Mad Men. You know, it's not like, but it's it's a really good good show, really, really well done. But the reason why it's come up so many times is it's speaking so much to my spiritual journey. So if you look at like Chronicle of Narnia being kind of like a parallels to Christianity and the Christian myth, this one is more atheist and spirit, actually more spiritual, I would say. I think the writer is an atheist, but so talking about the premise. So in this world, humans are born into the world and they're with a demon. And that demon is a physical manis- manifestation of their soul. So it's like, and it's an animal in animal form. So everyone has a demon with them at all times. So in your, in your demon, up until you hit puberty, morphs and changes depending on your moods. I have seen it. Sorry, yeah. forgot the name. I watched the entire season, however many there were in like two days. I remember. Yeah, it's so good. I'm right? with you. Yeah. I'm on the same okay. page. Here we go. <laughs> and so, you know, as a kid, one day it could be a butterfly and then they get mad and all of a sudden it turns into like a tiger or something, you know, it just changes with their moods. And then when they hit puberty, it solidifies and becomes kind of like their spirit animal or like, you know, their soul image. And for some people, that's a spider. Some people, it's a snake. Some people, it's a bird. Um, and the uh, organization that's running the government, it's a, a theocracy. It's called the Magisterium. And they're trying to sever kids from their demons. And when a kid is severed from his demon, they're soulless. You know, they do whatever. They're, they're obedient, soulless, lifeless passionless and there's a a, and so i'm watching this and you know there's parts where i get really emotional during it because there's one part where some kids are seeing other kids who have had their demons severed from them and one of the kids go why would they want to do that why would they want to sever kids from their demons you know just kind of like this rhetorical like plea like why would they do that and a couple other points I want to talk about, and I'm hopefully, hopefully I'm not spoiling too much of it, but um, if it's so, if I'm only spoiling the, spoiling the first few episodes, but the main pr- protagonist in the film is a girl called Lyra. And, you know, she's kind of like a chosen one, um, really in touch, really passionate, really in touch with her intuition to where she's gifted a golden compass, which is called an alethiometer which is basically just a compass that shows symbols. And she intuitively knows how to read this alethiometer for anything to guide her. 
And it's blowing everyone's minds because the magisterium, they have people whose sole job it is to, they have an alethiometer too. And the, the people that learned how to read it have studied it their whole lives and they have books and volumes of symbols and symbology and how to read this thing. And she just intuitively knows how to do it. And so the main villain is this woman called Mrs. Coulter. And I'm talking about this because they've appeared in my dreams. And I want to talk about that. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so Mrs. Coulter, she, um, and yeah, this is a little bit of a spoiler, but only in the first few episodes. She's, she had an adulterous affair when she was younger and got pregnant with Lyra. So she's Lyra's mom. And now she's a big shot in the magisterium. And she's the one who's running this program to sever kids from their demons. And because of the shame she felt, she has shamed her demon. It's a little monkey to the point where it's just abuse. You know, the monkey doesn't talk, you know, most, most of the human, uh, most of the demons, they, they speak to the humans, you know, you're just communicating with your soul just right, right next to you, but hers doesn't speak. It's shamed. It's just a sad little monkey. And she's repressed it so much to the point where it's painful for a human to be separated from their demon. It's like if you're in the, the next room, it's too painful, but she's mastered it so much with her willpower that she can lock her demon in a room and go somewhere without her demon. Just because she, she's so trained in that separation. So that's kind of the setup. And you know, I was thinking about it in terms of watching the show and getting emotional. One about this girl, and I, I always really connected with Lyra during the show about this girl who's just following her intuition. And I'm thinking of like reading symbols and dreams and tarot and all the stuff we're doing to get kind of get in touch with our intuition. And, you know, there's just been these heartbreaking parts where that kid, those kids are like, why would they want to sever their demons? Well, sever kids from their demons. And it's like, I, you know, it just reminds me of the church and you know why, you know why they do, you know, if you can, if you can separate p kids from their sexuality at a young age, from their passions, from, you can, you can, you can control them. You, you, they're in your power, right? And so that's, what's been coming up for me a lot lately. Well, so I have a question about... <laughs> I'm asking a question about a TV show I've never seen <laughs> based on a book I've never read. Are they, I mean, are they demons or are they angels or are they neutral? Like what's the, what's the nature of these entities? Because I could see a world in which they are thought to be demons the way we look at some of these things, because you know, the word demon comes with it, a uh, negative connotation, but is it, it do the do the demons ha so do they have ill intent i guess are they malevolent that's the that's no. the question i have and i guess when i say the word demon it's actually spelled like d a e m o n like daemon or something they okay, pronounce yeah. it demon demon yeah. yeah i think there was something in an episode where they found someone from like a, the human world or the regular world and they're like why would you name it demon like that's not the demon i know and it was just kind of saying literally has nothing to do with that that's just what it's called <laughs> yeah and, and, you know, they do, so it's showing there's all these different worlds and they're starting to travel in between the worlds. And one of the worlds is our world. 
And so there's always this thing of like, oh, you don't have a demon? Like, that's so weird, you know? And then I think even one said, oh, well, no, we have them, but it's just, it lives inside of us. Whereas yours lives externally. It's basically like a little pet that follows you around everywhere and knows what you're feeling and you know what they're feeling and they can like help you out. And if they get hurt, then you get hurt. So it's just an extension of yourself in a manifestation of an animal form. Okay. But if you think of it in terms of what the church does to us at a young age, you know, and of severing that tie to our connection to our bodies, to our sexuality, to our passions, and control it to the point where, you know, I mean, I feel like there's a lot, we become a little soulless. Yeah. And I've been realizing that was the start and it continues to be the source of depression for me. Like when my depression hits, it's because I am disconnected to that part of myself. I'm disconnected to my passions, my anger, my jealousy, my sexuality, because I was taught that those things weren't okay. Yeah, I think one of the big things for me is reconnecting with my emotions and learning it's okay to feel things, good or bad. We should feel them and work through them and not just paint a nice coat of paint over top of it and say everything's fine. And I would also say another thing that is kind of representation a representation of cutting your demon is cutting your intuition because the church never tells you to, to call upon yourself. It's call upon the Holy Ghost, call upon your parents, call upon your bishop, your stake president, the prophet. There's all these hierarchies of people that you have to call upon, but never yourself. And so it also teaches you how to doubt and how to just connect from yourself or disconnect from yourself. Yeah, exactly. And I even even when you are tapping into your intuition, you don't know you are, you know, I think, I think a lot of times when I felt the spirit, it was actually my intuition. Yeah, exactly. And, but I, but I thought it was an, something external from me, not internal. Yeah. Giving away your power really. Yeah. So that's been hard for me lately. And then, um, you know, my, my mate, she found, she was in the closet a little while ago and she found a binder of letters that I'd written home for my mission. So when I wrote home on my mission, my mom compiled them into a binder and I opened it up one day and noticed a letter, which I, I want to read if that's okay. Please, <gasps> yes, man, please do. But let me preface it a little bit. And I mean, this is too much of a buildup still, but like Doug, remember how much I hate the sun. <laughs> I mean, like, Let's, I, I don't know that you hate the sun. I think that you just recognize that the sun's just trying to get by like the rest of us. And, you know, we're all sitting here going, oh, the sun's out. We got to get back to work, everybody. Stop goofing around. Stop playing. Get, you know, get back into your labors. And the sun is over there going, I'm really not trying to like burn you guys or give you cancer or... <laughs> like create any kind of global warming scenario. I'm just here being the sun and, and by nature of being myself, I can be both life giving and life taking and sorry. And I, and I'm a little self-conscious about it. And I promise I'm going to like get over the horizon soon and go down and you guys can go back to dancing and meditating and partying. 
So I don't know that you hate the sun so much as you empathize with the sun's insecurities about being its fully formed self. Well, that was the second part. The first part was like, I felt like the sun was just up there judging us the whole time. <laughs> I tried, And man. it's I tried. there being like, look at me, I'm the fucking sun, you know? And I'm going to watch you and make sure you work, make sure you do everything right. And then like, we all wait for the sun to finally go to sleep, right? We're all, and it looks beautiful. It's a sunset, right? We're out there watching it and we're enjoying the sunset because it is beautiful. Yeah. We're all just waiting, waiting for the sun to go down. So then the moon can come up and we can dance, we can party, we can drink, we can fuck, we can do whatever. You know? <laughs> Dude, I got to tell you, like, we haven't talked really about that. That was on a, that was just based on a trip that, that we had together. But like, honestly, there might be something deeper in that, Mike. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, like the sun represents the masculine, the, the moon, the feminine, and some of the, I can't believe I'm saying this sentence. Some of the animosity that you have toward the sun, I think is reflective of some of the frustrations you have with some of the toxic masculinity that you were raised around and what that represents. I'm over here like repping Whoa. and defending the sun because based on like everything I read lately, we as humans have uh, uh, every culture, every religion, every myth, every mystery, every belief, we are all like, yeah, the sun's kind of like uh, at least a pretty high level God, if not the highest level God. <laughs> and there's something very beautiful about about your frustration with it because it mirrors your frustration with some of those aspects of toxic masculinity. The sun has no intent. The sun's not up there going like, man, I'm going to get out there and fuck with these people, make them feel like they got to get to work, make them feel like they can't hide anything from me, make them feel like they're, you know, I'm a danger to them. But that's our, that's, that's humankind's interpretation of the sun. We're the ones that said, okay, everybody get back to work. Okay. Everybody stop fucking, stop dancing, stop playing, stop sleeping, stop having a good time. We humans fucked that up for the sun. The sun was just like, I just am here to give like life to the planet and make sure nobody dies or, you know, uh, goes flying out into space because without my gravity, you guys would be toast. Yeah. But all of those things that you're mentioning when you're describing the sun and the way we feel about it when it comes up are elements of the masculine, you know, yeah. that driven Get your work done. Get back to it. Stop having fun. Stop enjoying yourself. Stop, stop stopping. You know, when the moon pops up, we're all like, fuck yeah, thank you, moon. I'm going to yes. gaze at you. I'm going <laughs> to dance. I'm going to fuck somebody. I'm going to play music. I'm going to drink. I'm going to have all sorts of good times because the moon's up and the moon's just like, guys, I'm not dangerous. Yeah. I'm here to party. Like, I'm just having a good time. <laughs> just be yourselves. I mean, we're talking about the sun a lot now, but I want to do a whole episode where we just love on the moon. <laughs> Dude, I don't mind doing that. I, I mean, shit, I got multiple moon tattoos on my body because I love the moon so much. <laughs> See, uh, I'm like the total opposite. I've never, yeah. ever once thought about the sun that way. In yeah. fact, the reason I changed my last name to Sola was because in a meditation, I was like some sort of goddess in Egypt and I was worshiping the sun goddess Sola, like Sola. Oh. And so I've always had 
a great relationship with the sun. So I mean, this I'm is sorry. a perfect dichotomy because yes. we have two very enlightened people in Mike and Shalise. One of them praising, talking about the wonders of the sun, the life-giving energy of the sun. And we have Mike, who also enjoys all of that stuff, but hates some of the stuff that the sun represents. Because the sun is just like, taskmaster, get back to it. Stop enjoying yourself and start being miserable. (laughs) And you know what I learned on that, Doug? I feel like a few weeks ago. It was when we were in St. George and I knew you couldn't come and we were sitting there and I was talking about the sun again. (laughs) (laughs) And I got emotional actually at one point because so, Shalice, you love the sun and you're you're a Leo, Mm -hmm. right? I'm an Aries. I should love the sun. I mean, the sun, I should be about the. I mean, fire, I should be all about it. But there was a moment when I was talking about it when I realized, oh, no one ever tells the sun he has to stop shining. No one ever has to tell the sun that he needs to be more quiet, more obedient, more uh, reverent, right? The sun can shine as bright as he wants. And I realized that that was repressed in me. I mean, if you knew me, you probably, I mean, you guys do know me, but if those who knew me and knew that I was an Aries, you'd be like, uh, I don't know. That doesn't, I don't know if that fits. Um, Cause I feel like that's a side of me that I've repressed or been told to repress. You know, I think I may have shared this on the podcast before, and this is kind of vulnerable, but whatever. One of the first memories I have is I had a crush on this girl in kindergarten uh, called Amber. And I used to fantasize that I was a baby cougar <laughs> and that she would just pet me, you know, but like, oh, interesting. but you think of that, like someone who loved my wild side, someone who loved my, maybe aggression, my fire. I mean, it was a baby cougar, but I was a baby at the time. And I feel like, um, that, ex- so it's, it's almost like I hate the sun because I'm jealous that it gets to shine and no one tells it to not. No one tells the sun to not shine. I mean, just to just to like build off of that, Mike, look at your personality. Okay. Like the sun is always the sun. It's just like, I'm out, deal with it. <laughs> there, there's no, there's no different version of me. Sometimes you guys are closer to me. Sometimes you're further away. Sometimes there's a cloud cover. Sometimes but I'm just going to shine and be what I am. Meanwhile, the moon can take many forms. The moon can mm-hmm. hide. It can be mischievous. It can be beautiful. It can shine brightly. It can, it can uh, not, it, it, not appear. It, it can be completely blank. It's still there. But yeah. the moon has this sort of like shape-shifting, free-form flow to it. Whereas the sun is just like, fuck you guys. I'm here. Deal with what I am. I give you life. I also take it away. Peace out. Which is hilarious because that's exactly the person that I am. I'm like, take it or leave it. I think that's that's my problem is I have, and it also goes back to the same exact thing. I have repressed my femininity because of the church, my sensual, my goddess, Um, And I've just become more masculine, like, well, this is who I am and a little bit too crazy sometimes. And um, 
that's where I need to find the balance. And maybe that's why I'm so drawn to the sun because that's all I know is just this like hard hitting, go getting masculine organizational energy. Yeah. And see, I'm, I feel like I love, by the way, I am loving this like juxtaposition yang. between <laughs> yeah. the two of you talking about the moon and the sun because without the, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll shut up right there, but I, 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 yeah, this is very enjoyable for me to, so Mike, I want to so get where, you back wait, on track. Where are you, Doug? Where do you fit? Uh, I mean, honestly, when I'm uh, not on, okay, so I'll tell you, when I'm on mushrooms, I'm the earth and I'm sometimes hiding and sometimes crumbling and sometimes being uh, destroyed and, and taken advantage of. When I'm on LSD, I'm the the entirety of space and I encompass and and contain all things. But when I'm on neither of those things, I'm kind of just like a human being stuck between the sun and the moon and their weird like custody battle of me (laughs) where I'm just like, what So are we the sun, the moon and the stars right now? Fuck yeah, we are. (laughs) Oh, I love it. (laughs) Yes, that's going on the mood board. (laughs) That is going to move forward. I love. I it. would also like to uh, add a Mormon element to that when we're talking about sun, moon, and stars. Oh no! I feel like that I feel like that accurately depicts our relationship, the three of us on this podcast, where Shalice is the highest form. I'm so not though. Come on, Shalice. Let me have a. Let I me give you a compliment for just a okay, goddamn thanks. minute. Shalice is the highest form, enlightened. She is what she is. And she's like take her to leave it. Mike in his. Uh, telestial? No, T-re- terrestrial. Terrestrial. Yeah. Lori is like, no, no, no. I'm the moon. I'm for everyone who. I'm. I'm for those who are uninitiated. I'm for those who can <laughs> like get down with this a little bit. I can be a little bit flowy, and sometimes I'm here, sometimes I'm not. Meanwhile, I'm the lower level where it's like, all right, I'll take on the Trumps and the Hitlers and the weird serial killers. I'm happy to like chill with those guys for a few minutes and just chillax for a while. But someone's got to take care of those. People. Someone's got to be the lower form. And I, I guess. I'm- <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for taking that on Doug. Yeah, yeah, I cast a wi- hey, I cast a wide net. Everybody's welcome. You know, we might not have like the most fun, but like we're having a good time. That's great. So I love this. <laughs> so this came up again for me when it was actually Martin Luther King Day and it was a beautiful, gorgeous day out here in LA, Shalise, if you remember. Um, and I didn't feel like going outside, you know? I, I, I felt like I should go outside, but I wanted to stay inside. And the next day was a therapy session. And I was kind of talking about my frustration with that. And my therapist, you know, I mean, she's been on here. She's super wise and uh, enlightened being. And she said, well, one, she's like, right now I'm in Park City and it's snowing and I don't feel any pressure to go outside. She said, yeah, it was a beautiful day in L.A., but 90% of the days in L.A. are beautiful. So you feel this pressure to go outside when it's beautiful, but you don't ever have, you hardly ever have an excuse just to be inside. And. I was like, oh, you know, that's, I don't give myself an ex- a license for that. And then she's like, tell me what your mission was like. Oh, she is so wise. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, were you supposed to be out there? What? Six days a week. And I was like, well, actually more like six and a half. And on that half day, 
you still had to do all the grocery shopping, laundry, uh, uh, writing letters to home. You still had to do a bunch of shit. And then go knock doors after 5 p.m. Yeah. Whoa. So every day, you know, you wake up at what? I don't remember, 6.30 or whatever. Then you study until 9. You go out the door. And for someone with depression, it's fucking miserable. You know, you go outside at nine and the sun, the Brazilian, hot Brazilian sun is just blazing. And you don't know if you can make it through the day. And then, uh, <laughs> guys, I'm going to get emotional on this. But like, and then, you know, 10, 30, 11 rolls around. You're like, I don't, I can't make it. And then you're not only that, but you're going into people's homes and preaching them happiness when you don't feel happy. Yeah. So you're putting on a smile. You're, uh, and you're faking it the whole time. And then finally, the sun starts to set six, seven ish. And you're like, oh, I'm getting some relief here, you know? And then the mood kind of gets a little better and you go home and you have a little brief moment where you're like, okay, I can relax a little bit only to start the whole thing over again tomorrow. And I think this ties into the letter I wrote home that like, uh, it was, I was nine months in and I was finally like, I, <laughs> I can't do this anymore. I need help. And <laughs> I don't know if I can read this guys. <laughs> um, you can take a picture and one of us can read it. Uh, let me try. Let me you try. try it. Yeah, I feel like I want to hear Mike read it. Cause I want to yeah, hear the cracks in his voice. Like I want to get in there and dig into that a little bit. Yeah. I agree. So when, uh, my wife found this. I knew right. I just flipped right to it because I knew which letter I was looking for. I'm sorry. Is this going to kind of this work? All right. So this is after nine months. So I said, uh, dear mom and dad, I don't know why I am writing this letter, but I am. I'm just not doing very well. And I am sick of lying. I'm sick of sugarcoating everything. To tell you the truth, I have never gotten better from those feelings that started about a year ago, and I'm discouraged. I have now gone through almost nine months on the mission, and I don't feel like I have gotten anywhere. But I've been trying. These last months, I have kept every rule, worked as hard as I can, etc., but I am not any happier. It's not the mission. <laughs> I'm liking the mission a lot, but I could be on the beach in Hawaii right now and it wouldn't make a difference because I wouldn't be any happier. I feel like all my fasts, prayers, and tears have been for nothing. I don't know why I am telling you guys this because I know you guys can't do anything and it just might worry you. This is why I have only written positive stuff home. I'm writing because I'm tired of lying and I need your prayers because I'm scared. I am scared that my whole mission will go by like this and that I will never get better, but I am trying. I am doing everything that I know how to and be, be as obedient, diligent, and happy as possible. Let me just describe a little bit of how I am feeling. At times I feel good and I can feel the spirit really strong, but as the day goes on, I begin to feel dark, discouraged, depressed, unworthy. 
Sometimes it gets so bad that I just want to collapse and give up. <laughs> just a minute. Yeah. But I just keep going and try to smile. All right, we're almost through it, guys. <laughs> Dude, please don't pause. I'm doing better than I thought I would here. I have been talking to Prez a lot, and I think it has to do with my with forgiving myself. But how? I know it's not depression, like we thought from eating habits, because I don't feel worthy. <laughs> we can cut out some of these pauses. We're leaving the pauses, done, Mike. But I haven't done anything wrong, so I know that is some. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so i know that it is something that i'm doing to myself oh my god (laughs) anyway i'm starting to not make a whole lot of sense i have debated on whether or not to send this letter but i will i know this is something that i have to do on my own but i really need your prayers I want to love my mission. I want to love my life again. I want to be able to feel clean and happy again. I want to make these last 15 months on my mission the best of my life. (laughs) I'm going to do everything possible here, and I will write two letters a week until I feel better to let you know how I am doing. One letter positive about my experiences written to everyone. Uh... And the other, how I'm feeling, written to you too. But please don't be worried. I know I will beat this. Just please pray for me that I can get the light back in my life. Shit. (laughs) Holy shit. And can serve a great mission. I love you guys more than anything. There have never been better parents greater than you. Be happy. Have fun. Love, Mike. P.S. Mom, please don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. There's so much to unpack there. It breaks my heart. Ooh. Right? <laughs> I just feel like let's just start with this. I feel like that was the beginning of like that was the beginning of my crack in the shelf, I feel like. And you could see it in the letter where it's like when I'm trying to realize what's happening and saying my president is saying that I have to forgive myself for things I did wrong for masturbating months ago or whatever before my mission. And, and me being like, but I, I haven't done anything wrong. And then I'm like, I'm starting not to make sense. I feel like that's me saying this is starting to not make sense. The things they're teaching me are not making sense. I, I also think that it, I'm starting to not make sense was some of your empathy coming through the the whole letter is filled with you trying to protect your parents. Yeah. Um, And you saying, I'm starting to not make sense. Maybe is a a, a glimpse behind the curtain into the way you're feeling about the church. Hmm. But more than that, you are trying to give them an out for the burden and the pressure that you are unduly putting on yourself 
to ignore and sweep away these true and real emotions that you're having. And you don't, you, you, you know, we talk a lot about vulnerability, but you're not willing or, or, or ready to completely go to them as your mom and dad, as your mom and dad and say, I can't do this. You're saying, oh, I, I get it. This doesn't make sense. I'm just going to work double hard. I'm going to write twice the amount of letters. I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to keep pushing through it because you're giving your mom and dad flawed people who I absolutely love but are flawed human beings that don't know how to deal with this. And you intuitively don't know they don't know how to deal with this. So you give them that tiny little lifeline, that, that, that tiny little man overboard lifeline that you throw into the choppy seas and you say, it's okay, this doesn't make sense. So you don't need to worry about this. Mike, you're breaking my heart with that letter, dude. I want to go back and hold 19-year-old Mike and just be like, get in here for a second. <laughs> Same. He would love a dark hug right now. <laughs> yeah, dude. He'd love a Schlees hug, but that, oh, that's a whole other level. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I don't think that 19-year-old Mike could deal with a Schlees hug. You could deal with a Doug hug. We're, we're cool with that. Like, you and I yeah. could get together and, like, A Schlees hug would make it worse. The Shalise hug would only add to your feelings of unworthiness and that kind of stuff. A Doug hug, we could go tip to tip for four hours and nobody would care. That was the line that the I'm not worthy or I just want to be worthy. That really hit me because I've had those exact same feelings where you're thinking like, what did I do wrong? Why do I feel so unworthy? Why? Why? just why? And and you can't figure it out, but everyone's telling you, you're not worthy. Pray harder, do this, do that. You're not working hard enough. You're not doing all the things you, you're supposed to be doing. Otherwise you wouldn't feel this way. It's this whole, um, this whole mentality of if you don't feel okay, it's because of something you're doing wrong and you have to fix it. And I felt like that whole letter was one step forward, two steps back. I'm hurting, but don't worry about me. I'm fine. I'm hurting, but don't worry. I'm going to fix it. And it was never just like Doug said, a deep dive into just completely being open and saying, this sucks and I need help. And please help me. I don't think you ever once asked for their help besides pray, besides pray. but that's not, that won't really help you in that situation. You know, yeah. you need more than just prayers to get out of that, that hole. And I think there is an element that, cause I would talk to my mission president and he would just get frustrated with me. You know, you have people out there who are not equipped sometimes to help the, you know, they're taking care of like 200 missionaries and they don't have the skills to do it or the empathy required, or they just the knowledge of like, Hey, there's something else going on here. This is not worthiness related. It could not be. I mean, instead he was delving into things in my past that like anything. He asked me what age I started masturbating. And I'm like, oh, I think it was like fourth or fifth grade. He's like, oh, you got an early start. And I was like, Shit. so he's just shaming me, shaming so me the whole like time. So it's like compound guilt. Yeah. It's everything you did in the past. You have to work that much harder to undo it. That's how long it's going to, that makes no sense. It's crazy. They'll dig up anything. And then 
one thing hit me extra hard when Doug was like, oh, 19 year old. I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot how young you are when you go on a mission. So not only are they taking care of 200 missionaries or 200 children that are in a different part of the world, unable to pick up the phone and call their parents anytime they need help or emotional support. And, and it's crazy how much they're working you and they can't honestly expect you to have a healthy mentality. Yeah. First of all, I, I feel like, um, why did I say, first of all, we've been talking about this for the last 20 minutes. So 17th of all, uh, Mike, I don't, I don't know, but I'm kind of feeling maybe this is important for you to hear. Cause I, I know, I know you, I know Shalice knows you. I know that your brain, your, your mind and body and soul go into your heart reaches out for this mission president. He's undertrained. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's just trying his best. He's dealing with his own demon on his shoulder. He's dealing with all of his feelings of unworthiness. But I got to tell you, Mike, to sit face to face with a 19 year old boy who's talking about uh, unworthiness feelings and mental health problems and to tell him just to work harder and to become more worthy. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Fuck that. that guy, Mike. Fuck him. Fuck that guy. Yeah, that feels so no, good. no, 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 Mike. <laughs> fuck that guy. I, you can have you can have all of the lack of sensitivity training, lack of mental health tools, lack of knowing how to handle 220 19 year old boys and girls. I, I get that. I get mm-hmm. that you can have a complete lack of training and find yourself in a foreign country completely unaware and and unworthy and unknowing of what you're supposed to do with these kids but these are fucking children fuck that guy for telling mm-hmm. that you didn't you didn't feel worthy F- fuck him for telling you just to work double hard oh if what you're doing isn't working do it double do well double. what in the hell How is that that make sense <laughs> If what you're doing is not working, do twice as much of it. You fucking idiot. I fuck that guy, Mike. Doug, that feels so good. You saying that because <laughs> I didn't like him and I haven't ever said that out loud, really, because yeah. I feel like I can't because I'm trying to like empathize with him and what he went through. And but like. He shouldn't, he should have known better. You know, the church should have known better. The church should know better before it's sending out kids like this. And that should be the church's tagline. Yeah. Yeah. That should What'd be you the, say, tagline, sorry, the tagline of the church. Yeah. I just said, God should know better, Mike. And if, if these are emissaries of God, and if God is saying, send out my youth to preach to the nations and pay no mind to their mental health, to real, <laughs> to real chemical imbalances in their brain that are making them feel unworthy mm-hmm. and God should know better. I, I know we talk a lot about like imperfect people. Uh, these people are trying their best. They got their own shit to deal with. Fine. Great. But somewhere in the mess of the missionary program and the quorum of the 12 and the uh, the quorum of the 70 and the first presidency and the, the Sunday school lessons that go out to the church and, and the, and the, the, uh, preach my gospel manual that goes out to missionaries. Somewhere in there, 
God should know that he is sending children that are not fully formed and need that kind of attention and love. So I guess I'm saying your mission president represents to you in a way only your mother or father has in your whole life. He is representing God. And for him to, as a vocal representative of God, for him to say, you're just not worthy because you one time masturbated when you were in fifth grade, and that's too early to start masturbating. So you're probably just feeling unworthiness problems. Fuck that guy. I know I keep saying that, but Mike, you need to get that in there. Fuck that guy, dude. Fuck him. Well, what's coming up for me when you say that is I feel like missionary Mike needs my anger. Yeah. Right. He needs me to come in and rescue him in a way, not just go back and hold him, but be like, stand up for him to stand up for him. And I repress that anger because it doesn't feel right to be angry like that at another human. And when you say that, I feel missionary Mike flutter a bit. (laughs) I mean, like, honestly, like current Mike, please go back and hold missionary Mike. But when you're done holding him, Look across the desk and say, are you fucking kidding me? Brother, shut your mouth. You speak of things you do not know, and you're ruining this kid's chance of finding happiness anytime in the near future. He's got to go through hell and turn out to be 40 years old talking about this on a podcast. Shut up. Drugs and therapy and... Like all, turn all his turn his desk over and yeah. take his little dumb dumb suckers and shove a couple into his nostrils and his mouth and say, <laughs> "Fuck off, dude! You said that to a child. Did you just say that to a child? <sighs> no, not on my watch." And then go back to holding Mike and saying, "Yeah, see, we got him, man. We we'll we'll, we'll get him." But oh, dude, I love that. Hold him. Tell the guy to fuck off, and then hold him again. I'm doing yeah. that tonight. This was like. The, the perfect situation of doing that inner child work because you can go back to any age. Like we did that whole episode on how to go back and rewrite the situation because your brain doesn't know the difference between actual memories and things that you plant yourself. So you can literally go back and rewrite, especially since time is all a construct anyway. You can change the outcome and it will have an effect on you in present day. Yeah. Guys, this is, I'm so glad I talked about this. Um, thank you for doing therapy with me. I, I want to hit on a couple other points, but I want to talk about a little bit what Shalice, you were talking about with, because we talk about how, and I think we talked about in this last one with Jake that we released, Doug, on how the church co-ops our spiritual feelings, co-ops yeah. our expanded states of consciousness when mm-hmm. we're impressionable. And we learn that, oh, good feelings is a spirit. The, the church is true. And the flip side of that is we also learn that if we're having bad feelings, it's because something is wrong with us. Mm-hmm. We're at fault. We're unworthy. And so when it's depression, it's like, oh, I'm depressed because I'm unworthy. So mm-hmm. what am I doing wrong? And then it becomes all on the member's shoulders. And that's shitty. Yeah, especially when you have someone reaffirming that to you, when you go and ask for help and they say, oh, well, yeah, you were right. It's because you're not worthy enough. So why would you feel any differently if someone that is, like Doug said, is speaking for God, why would you question that? You'd be like, oh, 
okay, I guess I was right. It is something that I'm doing wrong. Yeah. And so when I read this to my therapist, she got emotional, which is great. I love it when I can get her emotional. (laughs) Like a badge of honor. Yeah. But she said, I can read in that letter where they were trying to cut your demon and you knew you didn't want it cut. You were not going to let them cut your demon. So after that, I was watching more episodes and I was really re- resonating with Lyra in it, the, the uh, protagonist. Um, but then two nights ago, what kicked off this whole conversation is I had a dream. And in this dream, I won't go into too much. We, we don't have to do a whole dream analysis one, but like in this dream, I'm saving a bunch of people from this train, which is kind of interesting because I've talked about it before. And I just, this hit me. I had this ideation on my mission of dying while saving a bunch of children on a bus or something, you know, kind of like I, I needed an escape from the mission. I mean, you read that, um, you heard that and I couldn't go home. There was no going home. There's no going home back. To, I could go home, but then it's like the whole walk of shame. I couldn't go back home to the home. I mean, that's part of the hero's journey. You can never go back to the home that was before. And I knew that. So the only way I could go home from the mission now with honor basically was to die heroically. Ah, that's interesting. I just thought about this as I'm talking about this. So in this dream, there's a bunch of people on the back of a train and the train's filling up with water and I need to get them off of it. So I go and I get them out. I'm skipping over a lot of details, but I get them out and they come to the front of the train, but now they're being held hostage and they're being held hostage by Mrs. Coulter, the villain on his dark materials. And I go try to sneak up behind her and slit her throat. And she, but she sees me before and she comes and tries to attack me with a gun. And then there's this guy who I saved. So it's a guy who I saved from my subconscious who takes the gun from her. And now he's kind of like, should I kill you? Like, and I can't, I don't know whose side he's on. So as I'm doing Hape, rape, and meditating on this dream, I realized that, yes, I identify with Lyra and they can't cut my demon away. But I also identify with Mrs. Coulter in that I've learned, I've learned so much self-discipline on my emotions and my demon that I can leave my demon in another room and walk a block I can serve my whole mission with my demon locked up in the United States and I can live in Brazil. And so when I was on Rafe, I realized I needed to hold my Mrs. Coulter and tell her how hard that must have been to serve two years of your life. And even afterwards, my, my, my life cut off from my soul, from my demon. And how hard it is to live life in your head and not connected to your passions and your sexuality and everything that makes you, you. And that got really emotional for me. Um, and it's interesting because the, the, the guy I saved in the dream, he was like a very jester type architect type who comes from my subconscious sometimes and shows up in my dreams, either as like the Joker or another type of jester type character who it kind of like a monkey in a way, right? So like you think of her demon being a monkey, playful, mischievous. 
And I feel like there's something that, that he's there to help bridge that side of me, that if I can bring out more playfulness, more fun, more mischievousness, more like that energy, I can help bridge this divide in my soul. And yeah. Dude, I freak it. Hoppe is a hell of a drug. (laughs) I mean, Hoppe, yeah. Give me more. Let me, let me get in on that. Yeah. That's what I wanted to say. (laughs) So I'm, I'm, if I may, this, this might be stupid and we might cut this, but I got to add to this real quick, Mike. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm creating this on the fly. So forgive me as we go. I think in these terms. <laughs> so I want to, I want you to think of a quadrant graph. So uh, from left to right, you draw your X axis mm-hmm. from top to bottom. You draw your Y axis, your X axis at the far left is complete lack of faith. And when I say faith, I'm talking about faith in the Mormon church, faith in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints version of God. On the far right side of your x-axis, excuse me, on the yeah, on the far right of your x-axis is absolute complete faith. On your y-axis at the top is joy, happiness, bliss. At the bottom is sadness, depression, angst. So now we can go through those quadrants. The top left quadrant is no faith and joy. Being uh, deceived and led away by the devil. The right quadrant is full faith and joy. That is the blessings of being a true and faithful follower of Jesus Christ. Bottom right is faith, but sadness and depression and, and anxiety. That's lack of worthiness, need for forgiveness. Something is still sitting in there that has not been worked out with God. No faith, bottom left corner, no faith, sadness and depression. Those are the wages of sin. That is what you get, what you'd fucking deserve type of thing. No faith and you're happy will, or you're unhappy. Well, of course you're unhappy. We might cut that because the whole thing is bullshit anyway, because everyone is operating in this emotional, uh, maybe not an emotional spiral or, or, or maybe it's like a Venn diagram. All right. We'll, we'll cut all the, no, I, love what you're, I love where you're going with it. Though. <laughs> but what I'm saying is our emotions change from moment to moment from day to day, hour to hour, that kind of stuff. And Mike, you say it so well, just zoom out and exist in those emotions and feel into them and fully feel them. They are not indicative or reflective of some kind of worthiness or some kind of faith or belief. They just are, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And I'm just sitting here hearing missionary Mike because by the way, Shalise, I think you'll agree, when he was reading that email, we were transported through time to be with Missionary Mike for just a second. Mm-hmm. And Missionary Mike is full faith. He's, he's in the bottom right quadrant where he's like full faith, but he's having feelings of depression. And so therefore, he is mathematically unworthy. 
No, man. No way. No, Missionary Mike. You can go all over that quadrant. You can go diagonal, curvy, bell curve, slant, all the things that you want to do. You can be all of those things, and the x-axis does not matter. The x-axis is irrelevant. It does not exist. does not exist. I think that's one of the biggest lies that religion tells is that your happiness is dependent on religion specifically. Your happiness is dependent on things that you do in order to be righteous or worthy or things that you don't do. And so when you can get rid of, was it the X? When you get rid of the X axis completely and realize that it's just space (laughs) that you're working through, it's so much better because then you can start to actually see what the causes are of your depression or you know, I'm happy because turns out I love to draw and this is what makes me happy. It has nothing to do with I'm happy because I went to church yesterday. You can start to navigate your life more clearly when you realize your triggers, what makes you happy, what makes you sad, indifference, when you just get rid of the X. Well, that's exactly right. And I'm, I'm sorry that I've turned this into something nerdy and dorky, but like, no, I love it. No, I've loved uh, This is great. When all you have, when all you have is that uh, line from what are my emotions? Are they joy or are they way down here at, um, you know, sad? Yeah, the reason well, shoot, dude, you can make a circle, you can make a pyramid, yeah. you can make a, 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 a S curve, you can make a snake, you can make anything you want, man. Because everything along the, like Shalise said, everything along the X axis does not matter. Mm-hmm. It's just, Today I'm playing music. Yesterday I was fucking dancing. I I, I, I ran out of steam there well, at the end, and, but you know. What I'm and well, I think what you're saying is like all emotions are valid. Yeah, all of them are valid. And yeah. yeah, sometimes I'm playing the guitar and I'm super sad and depressed or something. And sometimes I'm playing it, I'm ecstatic and joyful, and it doesn't have to necessarily do anything with what I'm doing. It's like it's just what I'm feeling. It's so true. Yeah. And so. I love how you guys said when I'm reading that letter, you guys are there with me because now I want to. I'm thinking back. I, I remember the room vividly when I wrote that letter, and now I want to picture Doug and Shalise in there. Yes. And I think we should ecstatic dance in there. You guys, let's do it. Dude, I'm, I'm down. In. Yeah. Create the new trifecta of the sun, the moon, and the stars in that room. Yeah, I don't know if That's I can. Right. T- you know, we, we we shouldn't do touching anyway in ecstatic dance. So it, it's perfectly within the missionary rules. We don't have to <laughs> yeah, you're not breaking any missionary rules because there's the. Well, I'm your companion yeah. in that situation. I can hug Doug, and we can just dance with Shalise without touching her. And we'll teach Shalise <laughs> yeah. a, jo- a message about families. I was God's gonna name. say, like, maybe I'm being taught because I don't know. Am I allowed in your room? <laughs> I don't know. In this situation, Shalise, you're like nine years old. So I don't know. (laughs) I mean, maybe you're a, maybe you're a, you know, the great thing about being nine instead of eight is because we're teaching your parents and they're going to get baptized and you count towards our numbers as a convert baptism rather than a, uh, uh, you know, in the church type of thing. So we're happy to have you there. Shelly. Thank you for joining us. Awesome. And my my nine-year-old self was a wild dancer. So be prepared. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're time traveling, Shalise. So I'd rather it was current version of you, current okay. version of me going back to hang out with 19 year old Mike for just a minute. Mike, you're coming yeah. with us too. There's four of us in this room. Four. Yeah. I love, it. I love it. And I love our hippie versions coming back there, Doug. <laughs> yes. I mean, 
I don't really even know if we keep going. That is beautiful. That was a, that, I mean, is there more to this? Cause that's all I had on my end. Um, I mean, I, do you want to share more stuff, Doug? Like, I mean, I had some stuff I was thinking about sharing tonight from my last trip, but, but to be quite honest, the way that you've set this makes me feel like it would almost be vulgar for me to go like, Oh, and then I had a trip where I did an inner child meditation. I think we're there, man. I, that, this was really, well, now I feel kind of bad from taking away from your inner child meditation. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm still, I'm still working do, on mine. We can do a full Doug therapy yeah. episode. Oh, cause that was very well-rounded. I think. I think so too. That was really great. You guys, thank you. I I want you guys as my. Th- I mean, I, I you guys. I want my other therapist too. But I love having you too. <laughs> I love having you too as my non uh, licensed therapist. Yes, non licensed <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Is there still more in that story, Mike? That's rattling around that you want to kind of clear out or like uh, sort of scrape away at, or is that? Um, let me just fill into that for a second because, um it just ties into so much. It ties into so much of, and it's coming to re- realization why, cause on my mission, it's like, why was I depressed? You know, and not that you should have a reason why you're depressed, but I've never felt more disconnected to my true self than when I was on my mission. And there was no light at the end of the tunnel. There was no coming home back to the home I knew before. There was no wondering. I just thought these feelings would go on forever. And, you know, even getting back from my mission, talking about living in my head, I, w- I went, I, I was still depressed, you know, not as much as I was on my mission, but the depression was still there. And I still made it through college and a successful career. Um, and it, you know, provider for my family, but it's only been in the last two years through therapy, plant med- plant medicine, uh, meditation, dream analysis all this stuff that i'm finally feeling like myself again and every layer it's like i i feel like i get there but there's always more and so when i saw mrs coulter in my dream at first i'm like what the fuck is she doing there what's a villain doing there and then when i sat with it i realized oh she is part of me this part of me that and that was that's hard for her to learn because if you think about her let's just end with this part here i guess um she followed her passions, you know, committed adultery in a way, right? And was shamed for it in this TV series. Um, and But she's been able to rise above that in like high ranking person within this magisterium, despite all of that. But she feels like that was a sin, that she committed something wrong. But she followed her passions and she's birthed into this world this Christ figure in a way, the Lyra, this passionate girl who's in touch with her intuition, who's going to save, I don't know, I don't know the ending, but like who's prophesied to save this world that only came through her infidelity and through her choices. So a lot of it, it's like we were so trained and like this was a right choice or a wrong choice. And, and even, you know, looking back at like our experiences as missionaries and as hard as that was, and as wrong as the church was, look at what we've learned from it. You know, and maybe it's too early to kind of jump back there because, you know, missionary Mike needs me to be a little angry for a while. But in the sense that it's kind of cool that I'm at a loss for words, but that our 
do you know what I'm kind of getting at or am I? <laughs> totally. No, there, there's one thing that I, I noticed that I'd like to draw to a conclusion real quick. Yeah. Um, was that you were talking about how the church basically rips away our demons in a sense, mm-hmm. which I would argue starts at about age 12 is like the slow getting ready to take the demon. And then when you go on your mission, that's when the ripping happens and that's why it hurts so much. And that's why you come back this trained um, conditioned soldier ready to do anything the church wants you to do forever and ever and raise children the same way. And so I think instead of looking at it as like trying to heal the trauma, maybe what we're doing now through plant medicine is just reconnecting with our demon is just bringing it back. And it can be painful because they're probably, it's probably still in Brazil and you got to like reel them back in and, and learning to love the process of really magnetizing your demon back to you and reconnecting with your soul. As you said, you've never felt more like yourself because all of the pieces are finally coming back. And I think that's really all healing from Mormonism is, is just pulling back all the pieces of your demon to figure out who you really are. Wow. Let me add one more thing to that. Cause that's so perfect. Shalise is perfect. That we, we talk about this a little bit in our, one of their first mini sode, but one of the reasons why they're severing demons in this series is to, it creates like this, almost like this explosion of energy when that happens. I mean, think about nuclear, nuclear fission, right? When it splits and then also nuclear, nuclear fusion, when that's brought back together and the energy that's created and I think that's what we're seeing kind of now with all these beautiful, all these beautiful people we brought on our podcast that are their, their souls are, were ripped apart and now they're getting brought back together. And that energy just beams from them. That just oh. gave me the goosebumps. Yeah. yeah, same. I loved that. Like I got a whole full body chill when you said that, Mike. <laughs> But I think that's what that's kind of what's happening. And so, yeah, it's sucked. It's been shitty to be separated so long. But then now that it's coming back together, it's even like with more energy, more explosion. I don't know. And yeah. it feels good. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Mike, this was this was well worth like th- this has been one of my favorite conversations the three of us have had. I th- This has been fantastic, man. I, I mean, it took some vulnerability on your part. So thank you. Mm-hmm. And Thanks, a lot man. of people are going to relate to your story. I Big think time. you're going to touch a lot of people with this one. Big time. Thank you. Cause that helps me feel better. Cause it feels, cause right now it's the whole receiving thing. Right. And I feel wait, like- wait, wait, no, no, no. <laughs> you are no longer saying I'm vulnerable, but don't worry about me guys. Yeah, no more no. of that. Get rid of that. I'm with Shalise. Like, let your let your sun shine, Mike. Don't yes. don't don't moon this one. Let your sun shine on yes. this one. Just be Mike and be. Doug, did I tell you I'm writing? I'm just, I, I'm just barely writing a new song, but it's like, but the whole the uh, name of the song is "I'm Warming Up to the Sun." <laughs> oh my god! What? what? Yeah. I, it's kind of a cool title. I mean, it's kind of, you know, yeah. but, I'm, but you, I'm warming up to the sun. <laughs> will you send it to me? Well, I haven't really written it. That was just the whole, like I got two lines, <laughs> Oh man! but I'll work on it and I'll send it to you. I played me a little too. bit for Eric, but I, I'll see if I can. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I'll send you what I have. Yeah. <laughs> we need that ASAP. Same. Yeah. I want it now. 
warming up to the sun. That's your homework is finish writing the song and then do that um, child meditation, inner child work. Yeah, you guys, it's going to be a fun ecstatic dance party in Uruguayana, Brazil. Actually, it wasn't in, it was in, uh, I forget which, I remember the room, what it looked like, but I think it was in whatever, in some town in Brazil, some podunk town in Brazil. We're going to be ecstatic dancing, samba. Whatever. Oh, I'm there. Yeah. Mike, your hip problems are going to retroactively be fixed because of the way we are going to shake our hips. Yes. yes. <laughs> I'll bring my ago. salsa. Yeah. We'll do like all the moves. Next time you see me, I'm going to have the loosest hips, guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Loosen up those hips, man. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I love you guys. We um, love you. Yeah.